Once Upon a Time, Season 4, Episode 15 is over, but we are just getting started here at Post Show Recaps. Hello, all you magical people out there. Mike Bloom here, one of the co-hosts of Once Upon a Recap, and I am joined as always. He also recently just got his singing voice back, a la Magical Shell. It is the one and only Kurt Clark. Kurt, how you doing? I am great. How are you doing? Regale us with any Ballads of the Sea. You know what? If you, if you want thingamabobs, I've got 20, Mike. Great, great. I'm, I'm glad we have a, a bounty of thingamabobs for tonight. Uh, this was, I was talking to you this uh, b- before we came online here, Kurt. Uh, this, this I feel like we had a bounty of plot in this episode. It almost feel, feels like a, a novella of information in terms of narrative story came out in this episode. A lot, I wouldn't say a lot happened plot-wise, but there was just so much story packed into this hour. Yeah, and it, this this is definitely, I think, the cliff notesiest version uh, episode that we probably have up to date. And I'm wondering how much of it's, it was the writers, uh, the writers, not the author, but the writers being like, uh, we've got maybe, you know, six more, eight more episodes. So let's uh, we, we didn't get a lot done. Let's get the move on. Yeah, they basically crammed Ursula's entire backstory into one episode and also summarily got rid of her in the exact same episode. <laughs> Uh, so I guess those are those are actually uh, there's I'd say there's two top story news items at the moment. One is that the Queens of Darkness are now minus one. It appears that Ursula has now reunited with her father, Poseidon, played by, of course, the one and only Ernie Hudson. Uh, it, it appears that she's kind of uh, lost her evil verve and is ready to dive back into the sea. Uh, and our second piece of news is that, you know, not only is August back, but it turns out we know where the author is, he is literally inside the book uh, in an ode to perhaps the hit 1990s animated film, The Page Master. He is literally trapped inside the page of a book. It's a little bit of a never-ending story, I think, thrown in here as well, almost. And slash like a, a, a reading rainbow worst nightmare. <laughs> yes, you, and you had it in you all along. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, on top of that, a lot happened, as I talked about before. We found out basically Ursula's entire backstory. Uh, we had a lot of stuff involving August. We have some Regina stuff thrown on top of there as well, to the point where um, usually the way we kind of approach the the structure of this podcast is we usually do like the flashback. And then there's like a main A plot in the in the story, Brooke's storyline. And then there's a, a B plot on the side. But there really wasn't an A and B plot in the modern day. They, they kind of everything seemed pertinent. They kind of meshed everything together. Uh, and it, it also I was really happy because it seems like for the most part, uh, all of the ensemble had something to do. I mean, this was a very hook heavy episode, but Emma had some moments. Uh, David kind of stood stood doofully in the back, but Mary Margaret had some moments. Regina obviously had some moments. So it was good to see uh, some other characters get fleshed out. Yeah, I, I think that everybody had their little bit of action to do this uh this this episode did a little bit of action, a little bit of information to impart, and it ended up. This this may be the uh, the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts uh, of of the season. Yeah, and that we're already a third through this uh, half season as well, which is crazy and and so much stuff has already happened which again goes along with this whole theme of season four kind of uh rushing quickly to answer lingering questions which i'm happy about uh so it's it's i'm wondering where we're gonna go from here especially again now that ursula is gone yeah it's we (laughs) i think there's lots of different it's not it's not a matter of where where could it possibly go because there's 
we don't see any options. Is there anything? It seems like there's so many options for it to move forward. Exactly. Like if if they go behind the door, I don't even I can't even imagine what's going to be back there. <laughs> it's yeah. I was. I'm wondering. It's it's one of those things where it could happen either way with Once Upon a Time. Either the the door is discovered in the final episode, mm-hmm. or it's discovered three episodes from the end, and everything is wrapped up by the end. I have a feeling it's the latter. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Considering that last year we had a uh, two-episode wrap-up to season three that was completely separate from the main story throughout that entire half-season, uh, there's a chance we might be doing the same thing this half-season as well. Well, they're pretty good about using wrapping up the main storyline one or two episodes before the very end and using it to basically springboard into the next storyline. I mean, that's pretty much what we've seen the last few seasons or the the last few half seasons, I guess. And so I I just, I'm just trying to figure out where they're going to cut it off. Cause I personally would love for, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. I think it'd be really interesting to see, uh, a whole new world as it were beyond this door and that the first part of the next season involves like major engagement within that new world. And we've seen Oz, we've seen Wonderland, we've seen Neverland. Um, we, we had a, you know, maybe it's, we heard of a uh, Glower Haven. Uh, I'm just wondering if, if, if that could possibly be it, but I have a feeling you're right. It, as much as I would love for a whole new world to be behind this, this, uh, this door, um, we're probably going to get uh, it, it handily wrapped up a couple episodes before the end of the season. I think the chances of there being a whole new world on this half season is directly correlated to the amount in the budget for Once Upon a Time. If they can film anywhere but Vancouver, then they may have us explore this new land for a couple of episodes. But otherwise, I think they're sticking within that town. Yeah, well, that's what that's I'm wondering if it does potentially leak into the, the next season a little bit. But it's, you know, whatever we end up picking will probably be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're uh, yeah, we'll be we're usually wrong. And we, we hold the reservations about that. So we now we announce it ahead of time. So nobody's surprised. But let's uh, let's really and, you know, for lack of a better term, dive in here to uh, talk about this episode in detail. And let's start with the flashback here, because this is the entirety of the Hook Ursula conflict in a nutshell, over the course of an episode, which, I mean, I had, a, I had a feeling we'd find out the answer soon enough, but I did not expect it to unfold over the course of just one episode. It's actually not in a nutshell. I think it's in a seashell. That's, that's true. <laughs> a, a lot of magical sea. Apparently, they use seashells to just, just not only, you know, hold up any, uh, any uh, <laughs> corporeal goods they may have, uh, but also to transport any, anything and everything. It's sort of like the, the, the clutches or the purses of the Mermaid Kingdom. Yeah, and and I don't know if this is a place to talk about it. Maybe we talk about it a little bit later in the show. But they're playing really fast and loose with the Little Mermaid tale that most of us are familiar with. That is very true. Uh, I... Yeah, I, I, it's because the when we first met Ariel, it seemed like it was uh, mirroring very closely to the story, specifically with her and Eric. But now we have this whole backstory with Ursula, and now we have Poseidon. And how does that mirror? How does that uh, is that the same as the character of Triton from the, the original Little Mermaid? And how does Ursula's story actually reflect Ariel's story? It's it's kind of one jumbled mess, much like a much like a sea anemone. Yes, yes. Um, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll address that maybe as we go. Like, here's something that's maybe a little bit different. But you raise a good point, though. I completely forgot that Ariel's father was Triton, not Poseidon. And and you reminding me of that uh, brings it, dials it, the confusion back a little bit for me, but still many of the tropes from the, the movie. And we're not talking about the the classic Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid tale, where I think this we're really alluding to the the one that we've seen in theaters, the animated version. Um, there's still like many things that were borrowed, I think, from that, but potentially applied to different characters. Yeah, maybe maybe Triton is like the assistant to the sea god. Is Triton like the Roman god and Poseidon's the Greek god? <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, no, uh, the Greek god, the Neptune. Roman god's Neptune. Yeah, but I didn't know if maybe there's like a different uh, analogy in the uh, in the Disney universe. I who who <laughs> knows got, at this point? Yeah, yeah, where's, you got Triton's the Disney god. Yeah, where, where's Rachel Wagner when we need her? We'll need a we'll need a spot check from Rachel Wagner. But let's so let's dive in here. So uh, we get some Jolly Roger action hook, which is something we haven't seen since like the end of the third season, which I was happy about. It's a very nautical episode, uh, appropriate because it deals with Hook and Ursula. But uh, Hook is sailing along with Smee, who I believe we also haven't seen in quite a long time uh and they hear a siren's voice in a in the foggy night now i'm trying i was trying to realize kurt were they sailing to neverland from neverland it kind of seems like they're also couriers for pan at the same time i believe they were returning to neverland uh, with some bounty for for pan uh, and then they began to hear, and like you said, that it, something that I've become to associate with the sirens, uh, singing and trancing the, uh, and trancing the sailors, the ships get thrown up on the rocks, but here they're being again, a little bit fast and loose mythology. And they're saying they're, they're contributing that to mermaids. Yeah. Um, and you're, I think you're right because I remember we've only exclusively really seen mermaids when they were in Neverland. So I'm pretty sure mermaids is specifically a Neverland thing. Uh, but luckily enough, their siren who happens to be a young Ursula, uh, is nice that day and decides to avoid having them crash their ship into the rocks and all die. And I'm sure the Hook and Emma shippers are very happy that didn't happen as well. Uh, so the ship ends up narrowly avoiding the rocks, and it turns out that it is young Ursula that was singing her song. And her father, Poseidon, again, played by Ernie Hudson, and I'm assuming that he was the sea god because somebody asked him if he was a god. And, of course, you always say yes. You always uh, say yes. You always say yes, Ray. Always say yes, Ray. And you know what? If he's if the there's a paycheck attached, he'll he'll believe in anything. Uh, so you know. Can he, I say, go can ahead. I say how, how confused I was here because I was like, again, this is the point where I thought that that Poseidon was Ariel's dad, and I'm like, hmm, okay, Ernie Hudson, Ariel's dad, and I and seriously, I it took me the longest time to put two and two together. I was like, who is this young African-American mermaid? Because Ariel, we already met. I did not for the life of me connect that this was Ursula until he called her Ursula. Yeah. It's uh, I, I think it's only because I had, um, I had, I think I, you know what? I usually research promo pics before to pick uh, pictures for the website. And I believe I stumbled upon one of those of young Ursula. I thought it was going to be a complete, you know, older Ursula, flashback but this was complete younger ursula in a, in a move very similar to young cora in season two uh but i can understand also if you didn't hear the casting information before this the half season started of ernie hudson being brought in that specifically as ursula's father that you would think oh this is just the sea god that happens to stop by to check on you know how the business is going near this rock yeah no i yeah, i saw that i knew that he was ahead of time uh being cast as poseidon but again i didn't 
have that information paired with Poseidon, comma, Ursula's father. I think yeah. that was that was the point where I was even still at that point, like Poseidon's Ariel's dad. Ernie Hudson is Ariel's dad. There's some explaining to do. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to know what happens among these promiscuous mermaids. They probably have their own drama going on. What happens under the sea stays under the sea. Absolutely. Uh, but it's interesting because this scene kind of shows that Ursula's story right now actually kind of mirrors, again, Ariel's yeah. from The Little Mermaid, the movie, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, much like Ariel in the movie, Ursula's mother was killed by, in this case, pirates. I think in the movie it was just sailors, but it's led to Triton slash Poseidon to develop this uh, general distaste slash kind of extreme fear slash vengeance-filled uh, goal to destroy all humans. Uh, but Ariel slash Ursula wants to just be part of the world, and she does. Uh, she just wants to be nice to them. And they specifically mention how uh, Ursula's mother always used to sing, and how her voice is, and how Ursula's singing is like the last, uh, the last sort of relic of Ursula's mother. Um, yeah. Which is it's, interesting because, as we'll see, it kind of comes comes works doubly near the end of the episode. And it didn't seem so much that she wanted to be part of their world as much as, like you said, this was the last remembrance that they had of her mom. And she says that she doesn't want it to be she doesn't want to turn this this sacred thing into a weapon against people. She doesn't like using it to hurt others. Uh, and I think that's where she's getting a little bit you know, sick of dad telling her to keep dashing the sailors against the rocks. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I I guess yeah. I would say it's it's more towards what you're saying. You're right that she's. It's not that she wants to be part of the world as much as she's saying. Well, humans aren't so bad. Uh, yeah. Even the even the pirates. Yeah, and, and you know, let's 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 keep sacred the one thing that we have to remember mom by, and not use it to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's the uh, that's like a, that's like right out of a Greek tale. Is like the ultimate form of irony. Uh, but Ursula, as we find out, is looking to run away from home. Uh, she's looking to go to a place called Glowerhaven, which is not Misthaven. I have no idea what sort of kingdom this is. Maybe it, it lands them in uh, Jane Austen-esque 18th century Pride and Prejudice-esque type of land. Uh, oh, but we, can, we can dream. <laughs> I, if only. I want to see some I want to see some period pieces here on Once Upon a Time. Uh, but... I don't know if you know this, Kurt. I don't know how much you know the music from Little Mermaid, but the song that Ursula sings throughout uh, the flashback is a song called Fathoms Below, which is the first sung song in The Little Mermaid. Uh, I did not know that it was the name of it, but I did have in my notes that the uh, that the aria that is being heard by the pirates sounded an awful lot like what Ariel sings in The Little Mermaid. And so I thought that this was going to be Ariel that was sitting on the rocks. And again, you know, we'll, we'll get to, we, we have that, that little ditty revisited toward the end of the episode as well. But it, yeah, I definitely did recognize that as being, uh, from the, from the animated movie. Yeah. And it's a lot more sultry to her, see her sing it than to have, uh, about 20 grown men grunting it on a schooner. <laughs> Says you. Ah, that's true. I'm, uh, Different strokes, different strokes for different folks. Uh, so Hook recognizes the voice that uh, that Ursula is using. And it turns out that she's kind of uh, she's being a little bit of a busker right now in terms of she's trying to get as much gold as possible to get to Glowerhaven, which was apparently one of her mother's favorite places. Place and, one of her favorite places to sing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm actually very intrigued. I mean, it, we just kind of only touched on it briefly. I really want to know more about Glowerhaven. And maybe, I want- <laughs> maybe Glowerhaven's like the Nashville of the Enchanted Forest. <laughs> Or the uh, uh, Branson. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you want to make it, 
kid. You got, you got to go to Glowerhaven. <laughs> and just the name of it, it sounds it sounds kind of dark and gloomy. So I'm like wondering, is that the name for Frankenstein's realm? I'm still trying to piece all of the like get a definitive map of all of the realms together. And so I'm, I'm really interested if because we learned that what we knew as the Enchanted Forest was Misthaven. I wonder if Glowerhaven is somewhere else, or is Glowerhaven the name that the mermaids gave to? The uh, forest. <laughs> yes, it's it's always Blank Haven, depending on where you're coming from. This uh, this land is slowly growing more and more nicknames as this series progresses. Yes, more nicknames than Prince. Uh, so not Prince Philip. Uh, yeah. So you know, Ursula and Hook kind of start to bond because at this point in Hook's timeline, uh, he has lost Mila, the love of his life. Uh, Hook's ex-wife or no uh, gold's ex-wife at this point uh and i think he he kind of recognizes the idea of holding on to something from a loved one that you've lost and he definitely takes a liking to the young ursula so he agrees to just bring her to Glowerhaven on his ship completely free of charge but as he uh, as he you know as he starts going about his merry way he's actually brought aboard his own ship and left to face poseidon who found out what his plan is and is there to stop it yeah not the father of the year award going out to this guy um yeah he's kind of kidnapped but then brought to his own ship which is a little confusing at first and uh yeah basically says uh you're not going to bring her aboard your ship instead you're going to steal her voice so that she will return to the sea yeah and and again there's the the whole you know father daughter bond and wanting that to be stronger again something directly taken from the the, the little mermaid yeah uh i mean i i don't know if i don't know if triton would ever push ariel so hard oh. as to tell people to yes. steal her voice um so it's interesting that the, that the Perfect. ursula plot actually mixes together the like ariel or ariel whichever way you want to say it is if you're a jamaican crab or not and the uh and the kind of ursula storylines as well in terms of stealing her voice so ursula basically seems to be some sort of melting pot of all the plot lines of the little mermaid animated film yes uh so he you know so poseidon enchants a seashell to take away ursula's singing voice and basically tells hook you know you need to get rid of her voice so that she'll grow a distrust for humans and that she'll come back to be with me. And then Poseidon uh, offers a, a bit of a deal to, to Hook. If Hook is able to do this, Poseidon, uh, Poseidon seems to be all-knowing, presumably because he's a sea god, and he knows about Hook's uh, search to everlasting search to find the crocodile, the dark one. And he actually knows... Uh, a thing that can help him accomplish that goal, and that is the return of Squid Ink, which we haven't actually seen, I think, since the Neverland saga. I don't think it was talked about since then. Yeah, because I, th- I think I, I believe there was a scene there where uh, Regina basically, you know, doesn't she beg- beckon a squid to come to the shores, and she takes his ink or something. Yeah, it's something. where like Neil is given the Squid Ink to paralyze pan but then he ends up paralyzing gold because he doesn't want oh, to turn yeah. back but i mean but, the squid ink has appeared actually in a few different instances and this, this, is, this isn't actually the first time that gold would have an encounter with squid ink he was actually brought to that prison in season one for the first time because i think he like something with cinderella like he yeah. signed a contract with cinderella and it was in squid ink so he just froze up and they took him to that prison with the weird like teeth doors right and then the squid ink it turned out it was like embedded in the prison somehow so it was able to actually be reclaimed yeah they they blew on it and it broke down the doors yeah oh man so the squid ink is is a recurring <laughs> motif in, in once upon a time 
it's a, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a little bit of a, uh, it's a little bit of a MacGuffin in the terms of it's the thing that everybody's after, but it's not really the, the key plot point of the, of the entire thing. Yeah, it's weird. For something that is able to paralyze even the most all-powerful beings, you would think that people would want to utilize it more often or just, you know, carry around a bottle in their pocket or something. But no, it only seems to come out in a few instances over the course of the past four seasons. Yeah, I mean, it turns out that we find out later that there's just magic that's almost just as powerful as the blue fairies happen to be sitting on. Yeah, uh, that's very true, and they're in their little <laughs> chem labs. Yeah, it's a little Walter White moment. Uh, so the ne- but the next morning, uh, Hook is known to actually so show some resilience here, and it's fun watching this Hook because this isn't exactly the you know Hook we initially saw when we first met him, and in some flashback episodes of like the cold, callous pirate. It does. I think uh, Ursula's story does kind of hit a nerve with him, as I talked about before, with him losing a loved one. So you know, Hook goes up to Ursula the next morning and tells her, you know, this is what your father tried to do, but I'm not going to do it because I know you've lost a loved one. Um, but instead, we're both going to win, and you're going to steal the squid ink from your father's vault. That's the sort of pirate thinking we like to see. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's, He's he's got management material written all over him, this guy. Yeah, very true, though. He hasn't uh, gotten the black spot yet to face the Pirates Court. Oh, my goodness. He did not just go all Pirate Master on us. Yeah, I think I'm the first podcast to reference Pirate Master outside of that one Pirate Master podcast in the past, what, like seven years? Uh, Oh, yeah, I think we might have brought it up in Utopia at some point, but (laughs) it's Um, uh, it's the it's the squid ink of reality TV. It is. It's yeah. It's interesting, and I really like the bond that we see. I mean, I'm surprised where it ends up going at towards the towards the end of the flashback uh, storyline. But I do like the bond that we see between Hook and uh, and Ursula. And you know, it, it's really kind of strange because we do we have seen in in an episode or two Hook kind of very obliquely referring to the relationship he had with Ursula in the other world, um, and. To which, and, you know, Emma thinks it's something much more salacious than it actually was. And I don't know why Hook didn't say, no, no, I kind of, there was nothing going on between us, and I kind of screwed her over. He, I think he could have explained very simple terms the relationship he had with her. Yeah, he could have very easily world. described, you know, even, you know, this, this, pl- this plot line overall took, what, like, maybe 12 minutes overall to explain. He definitely had 12 minutes of time to explain to Emma, this is every single thing that happened. It's not, it's yeah. not as complicated of a story that he just had to kind of shrug it off and brood in the corner. Yeah, and, but it's I did I did like the relationship from, uh, you know, I've I've lost someone close to me. And I knowing that this is all you have left of your mom, I would never take it from you all the way to like, I think the original bond that he kind of had with her was that he's been in so much pain at the loss of his loved one that and he was like, your singing is the only thing that has removed that pain from my life. And so it's a treasure to be kept. So it's just all around. I really liked, you know, his relationship with her. It was almost seemed like more of a a older brother relationship than anything. Yeah, I would say so. Or at least like uh, I wouldn't even say like a friendly bond as much as it's sort of like uh, like two people part of the same army troop. Uh, you know, they've been through the same experience, so they have a mm-hmm. bond in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, Ursula is able to bring back. The squidding, and I wonder what that situation was like. You know, is it is it comparable to when uh, your teenager pulls up 
into the driveway and kind of rushes into the house and you try to say hi to them, but then they just grab something and then rush out again. Do you think that's what it was? I don't know. That's the flashback we need to see is like, I want to see the, the whole heist episode of her stealing the squid ink from the, cause it was in a vault. So I think there had to be some sort of uh planning measures. Had, yeah. Like she had to potentially like seduce a guard or I don't know. Well, the guards in this case would probably be like stingrays or something. So I don't know how easy they are to seduce. Oh, yeah, true. I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> but uh, Ursula is able to acquire the squid ink and brings it back to Hook in an indeterminate amount of time. But then Poseidon shows up because, of course, Poseidon is, you know, omniscient. He's going to know what happened. Uh, and so he, he kind of spouts off to Hook first and tells him, you know, you only care about your vengeance. Uh, and then he takes the ink and uh, Hook is kind of left there in the moment and he decides... Uh, to take Ursula's voice, but not as uh, a measure against Ursula, but more as a measure against Poseidon, because he doesn't want Poseidon to use her voice as leverage. Is that right? Um, he 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 did he did say it was just more about vengeance. I mean, he, I, to me, it was more about him being like just truly in the anger of the moments, and he did it. Um, if, I, I think full well knowing that he was hurting both Ursula and Poseidon. And that it, it I, I thought this was, you know, I, I thought this was kind of a dick move on on, uh, on his part. <laughs> yeah, this was this was not good pirate thinking. Good pirate thinking is having Ursula steal the ink. Not good pirate thinking is just uh, taking the voice purely out of instinct, which causes Ursula to kind of throw a fit and jump overboard. Yeah, he was he definitely he was he was reacting in anger and emotionally as opposed to like this, this, this move was purely done to hurt uh, Poseidon and with no regard for how it was going to hurt Ursula. And it gets it. I don't see this. This doesn't really get Hook anywhere ahead of things. The weird thing, though, is that Hook seems very defiant to Poseidon to the point of where, oh, you know, yeah. Poseidon demands the seashell back and Hook refuses. Would you act that way around a god? god. Yeah, it's, uh, Poseidon, yeah, it's, it's a my other note is that Poseidon kind of was uh, out here a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, he... Hook was threatening to basically crush the shell and and uh, so that the voice of the mother was lost. This again, it was just a singing voice. It wasn't the actual voice, which is a little bit different from what the little mermaid we know. Um, but he was threatening, like to to basically destroy the shell and thereby destroy the singing voice, so that nobody could ever have. Yeah, it would be lost forever. And besides, like. OK, bro, you know, I'll just you know, back off. I'm oh, sorry, man. Yeah. And which he kind of he kind of he kind of was that a little bit, I think. So so bad, bad on Poseidon there. So maybe Poseidon really is in the the Erden Hudson position of, you know, if someone asks you a god, say you are in terms of he's he doesn't really possess godly powers. He just sort of pretends he is one because someone asked him to be. Yeah. Yeah. He he lost, lost some respect for the god of the sea. Absolutely. And we, lo- we lose it even more here where uh, we go back under the sea and, you know, Ursula is understandably upset and her father tries to comfort her. But not but Ursula is able to uh, take his most powerful item, the trident, just v- very easily, it seems. Um, and here's an interesting thing here, Kurt. So one of the things that we were debating was, you know, uh, they could they couldn't get Yvette Nicole Brown to play Ursula. So now they had to change the actress and there's a little bit of a, a disconnect there. But from what it seems, it seems mm-hmm. like this Ursula is different from the sea god Ursula. Is that yes. is that right? Yeah, she basically says that she was named after the Ursula of old, the sea witch or the sea goddess. Uh, 
And so it seems like that that Ursula, who had been worshipped by the, as a goddess by the Eric Prince Eric's kingdom, and the, you know Ariel, where Ariel was at in those episodes we saw back, I think was it back in probably season two. Um, it's it seems that and actually it might have been season three. Anyway, um, that there was a sea goddess named Ursula who could still be a vet Nicole Brown, and that. Uh, you know, that chastised Regina for posing as her. It seems that this uh, Ursula is a namesake of the, it's like if I named my son Jesus, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, it'd be kind of the same thing. Are you are you giving a spoiler for your first child? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's what it seemed. Yeah, that there, there was a, there there was a uh, a goddess of the sea named Ursula and uh, and the Ursula that we see on TV is her namesake. How much do you think this was the writers kind of cover filling in that pot, that plot hole a little bit by saying, see, there can be two Ursulas in this world. I don't think it really was because I think it's, I think it wasn't so much a plot. I don't think it's a plot hole when it's just a voice. For instance, it was, it's not that we're not seeing a different actress. And I don't think that uh, the casual viewer necessarily knew that it was a vet Nicole Brown. I mean, that kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit if you look at like who they actually played the voice. So I personally, like, I don't even know if I knew that it was a vet Nicole Brown that did because it was such a small, brief part. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think this was an attempt to explain away why there's a different actress uh, when all we heard before was a voice. Okay. I just, I just think that's, I think, I think, I think that's fan fiction. Uh, well, <laughs> Ursula is able to use Poseidon's trident to turn herself into this all powerful sea witch. I guess we will use the term to describe this Ursula. Now, Kurt, in the, in the, uh, the kingdom of the underwater, do octopuses trump mermaids? Is that what we figured out here? I don't, I didn't really get what happened here in terms of like she takes the trident she apparently had the user's manual or, or knew the, knew the unlock, knew, code, the, knew the password. Yeah. Knew the password to it. Um, and she took it to turn herself into something that was says, now I'm more powerful than you. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like you kind of turned rather than your bottom half into a squid. It seems like you turn or into a fish, which is a mermaid. It now seems like your bottom half is a squid or an octopus. <laughs> Um, so it just seems like you, instead of half woman, half fish, you're half woman, half squid. Maybe, maybe it's like the black belt system, you know, with various aquatic mm. wildlife as your lower half, uh, slowly moving up the chain. Maybe I'm just wondering what would be that? What would be the black belt equivalent? Is it squid or is it like blue whale, which uh, could get or, kind of proportionally kind of odd or like great white <laughs> shark. Yeah. Yeah. This, this just seemed there just seem to be lots of strange decisions here. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it also, I think it's very easy for her to say I'm now more powerful than you since, as we just talked about, Poseidon does not seem like a very powerful god in yeah, the first sure. place considering he let a uh, kind of a wimpy pirate talk to him like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, it's not like she turned herself into the sea witch. She turned herself in, she made herself look like the sea witch. But, okay. But it, it explains kind of what, how she got to how she did. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yeah, it's like, I understand, it's like, I, yeah, I understand the origin story. I don't necessarily understand the rationale behind the origin story, but I'm, I'm rolling with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I know, I mean, I'm honest, I don't know how much more of the origin story that we're going to see now, especially since oh, again, yeah. it seems like Ursula has left the building. 
I was hope I was hoping this would mean that we would next get a Cruella origin story next week, and we'd start to see like the evil, uh, the evil uh, villainesses drop off one by one or something to, like that to that effect. <laughs> um, but it does not look like next week we get a Cruella focused. So everyone's like, "Oh wait, I have my happy ending now. See ya." Yeah. So it's uh, it'll be it'll, it'll be, I'm still holding out for an eventual Cruella origin story. Oh, I'm I'm sure we'll get it next week. Does we not better. look like it, but no, again, it we, as you said, we have uh, we have seven more episodes here. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump into our main storyline here, and it's clear that Ur- Ursula starts off the episode still pining for her voice as she's uh, happens to be listening to the radio, and I, I don't know what radio stations are in the area, but I'm glad that they have a classical music station at least. Yeah, and this is the first time that like the area around. The, you know, Gold's Cabin, it looked a little bit like a Louisiana bayou. <laughs> Did you think any? Uh, well, I mean, Kristen Bauer Van Storten uh, was on a show uh, that took place in Louisiana. So maybe we'll, ha- maybe we'll have Vampire Bill make a cameo. That's the that's that's the that's the connection there. Maybe get a little I was expecting like a little uh, <clears throat> an Emmett Otter Jug Band Christmas. But that's not uh, Disney. That's that's Muppets. Yeah. So Maleficent, you will give me the potion. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ursula's music time is interrupted as it's time to torture August. Uh, now, l- luckily, since this is more of a family friendly show, as we talked about last week, uh, they, it was less graphic in a regular torture way, though, of course, and I think anyone who's made of wood would probably think of it as pretty graphic torture. Uh, but basically, they Regina kind of uses the threat of fire to make August talk about how he knows the author, which he admits that he doesn't. Uh, he brings up the dragon for the first time since season two, which mm-hmm. is interesting because the the dragon wasn't mentioned in the previous episode titled Enter the Dragon. True. But uh, one episode's close proximity enough, I would say. Yeah, it kind of did, could do a double, double damage for that. So I, I think the way I understood it is that in Hong Kong or Thailand or wherever he was, he found, he found the dragon um, and the dragon had been searching for the author um, and he had taken the dragon's research once, you know, remember T- Tamara had killed the dragon and he brought the dragon's research to Storybrooke. And that's why he has the pages. Is that right? Yeah, but it also seems like to some extent it was a little bit of a lie, too. I'm not sure if we're meant to believe that what we do end up seeing, like the, the, the page with the, the picture of the door. I'm not sure if that was legitimately the dragon's uh, information or not, because I think up to the point where he starts uh uh, torture round two. I think August has been sp- spilling a bunch of uh, tall tales. Um, true. But uh, but yeah, it's like basically I think before we realize that he may or may that he could very well be lying. I think we're meant to harken back to his his travels in Hong Kong and that dragon character there. And yes, that we, we know that that dragon character was taken care of by uh, Tamara. And yeah, that apparently there was some research, but. I'm not sure now how legitimate that was. Yeah, it's true. If only he, if only Gold's uh, lie detector system had worked yeah. on him that much earlier, we could have known. Yeah. Uh, Make sure there are, there are some pages of a book that he does have. Again, that that, that illustration of the red door, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I, the only thing I'm questioning is if that indeed came from the dragon or if that was from somewhere else. Yeah, I didn't know the author was a Lutheran. He's trapped behind a red door. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I only know that because the school I went to was technically a Lutheran school and all of our doors were painted red. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, there will be no red paint upon my door. Uh, so you see, I see a red door and I want to paint it black. That's the only. Uh... Wow. I'm glad that we, that we were able to reference <laughs> both. Uh, was it who uh, Rolling Stones and whoever sings it? Is it Dido that sings White Flag? 
Uh, I, I think mean, it might be something like that. But anyway, uh, Gold says he's going to going to try to check out whether August is lying by going to his trailer. And in the meantime, Regina is left to take care of him. But she's able to do her first little espionage activity by sending out a, a smoke signal, a form of a smoke signal, I should say, a smoke signal that's sentient. Yeah, I was wondering what was going on here. Like, I figured when they showed the camera kind of rush up the the chimney, I was thinking, oh, she's sending a visual signal to uh, the, uh, the, the, the the charming softball team uh, to let them know where she's at. And sure enough, they're kind of walking through the woods and you see what looks like kind of little, you know, some dark smoke, smoke kind of explode in the distance. And I thought, OK, they knew where the house is. But it turns out it was a little bit more than just that. Yeah, I think they could have stopped right there with just sending smoke up because, I mean, again, you're in the middle of the woods. Chances are if they're looking for Regina, that's where she would be, especially since at that moment they happened to lose the trail. But no, Regina took it one step further and actually has this smoke inhabit Mary Margaret's body. Now, was that Lana Perla's voice in Mary Margaret's body? I believe so. So they had um, a Freaky Friday homage? Yeah, I, I definitely I, I was listening closely. I was like, that's too good an impression for that not to be Lana. Um, it's it. Yeah, I think it was just the, the classic, uh, a little bit like the, like drunk history. But it was that it was uh, <laughs> it was uh, uh, magic uh, debrief. <laughs> I w- maybe maybe that's they should have done drunk history for the previous episode when they went on that bender. Uh, with the Queens of Darkness, they could have had like, well, this is what happened last night. Cut to Mary Margaret and David reenacting the night. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was I, I again, not a uh, not an ability we have seen before used no, by no. the Regina, but I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Uh, so uh, they go. So Regina's message basically tells them, hey, gold's here. And this, he has a plan, uh, which, again, is, is a bomb I didn't think the main char- the heroes would find out about until a little bit later <laughs> in the season. Uh, but they found out about it now, and they, they go yeah. right to Bell, and Bell finds out about it immediately. <laughs> it's, it's, it's viral. Uh, it, and, and again, if there was any doubt in Emma's mind still that uh, Regina might be you know, going to the dark side again, I think I, it was nice to basically for us as viewers to see and know and understand that that Regina basically tells everything. Like she's not holding anything back. Like August is here. Here's the plan, blah, blah, blah. But like, uh, it's everything she put, she laid out everything on the table. So like, you know what, if, if Emma still is thinking that, and we didn't get any of Emma doubting Regina much in this episode of it all. Um, It was more so Emma saying like, Oh, it sucks that I had to let Regina knock that child out and kidnap him. Yeah. So it's, um, I, I, I liked I liked how that went, but yeah, the we found out awfully quick the um, that we we find we see Bell come to the realization awfully quick that Hook was not the one that she gave the dagger to. Yeah, that was uh, that again got found out pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Considering, considering that happened last episode. That they're like, oh wait, so I mean, Gold, your your entire thread just completely unraveled now over the course of two minutes. <laughs> Yeah, because of one smoke signal. It again, we, we've said it, you know, plenty of times before. I mean, there's times when uh, once upon, there's times when once upon a time will seem like they're potentially dragging stuff out. But more often than not, they 
kind of take care of things pretty quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I I, I think uh, the reason why I'm still so surprised by it is because I'm so used to that first season when, I mean, oh. the first season was great, but it really, they were really dragging out these people finding out about who they were until literally the last episode. So to have all these plot points get cleaned up so conveniently and so quickly is still a little jarring to me. Yeah, not used to it, but it's welcome. So the heroes come up with a plan. Uh, Emma, David, and Mary Margaret go to save August while Hook decides he's going to try to bargain with Ursula a little bit using the, their past relationship to try to get Gold's secret out of them. Uh, meanwhile, Regina is still kind of fixated with that whole Robin Hood page and tries to get answers from August. And here's an interesting thing. Apparently, even though boy August doesn't, uh, even though Pinocchio didn't remember things that august did it appears that august remembered things that pinocchio did which is like a weird uh kind of use of the two-way street of magic there yeah he he i don't maybe it's a um an age thing where like just the look if you look at august as an older version of pinocchio uh, then august can remember things that were that were witnessed when he was younger but young pinocchio cannot witness remember things that had not yet happened because he is not that old yet <laughs> Okay, so it makes it, if we lay everything out like a timeline, then I guess it makes sense. Yeah, it's like Cooper. It, it, exactly, exactly. So are we going to see then uh, August return to try to kill Pinocchio? Um, gosh, we can hope. Oh, if only that, that's that's on my wish list. Um, so you know, Hook goes to confront Ursula in the forest. And I mean, I, maybe one of the reasons why they crammed all of Ursula's storylines into this episode is, you know, I've been talking about the, uh, the once upon a time VFX budget this half season. Maybe they said, well, we've, we've shown enough of Ursula's tentacles. We don't want to go broke. Let's just have her leave in this episode. Uh, okay. This may take the cake for the episodes where the tentacles have kind of creeped me out the most. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one thing like when, like in the cartoon, when the entire bottom half from like the waist down is just all octopus. But I'm sorry. Every time the tentacle just kind of snakes out from underneath the dress, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, the, and the weird thing. I mean, I feel bad for these actors, too, because, you know, they work with so much green screen or in the case of them, I think it's like purple screen, uh, violet screen, if you will. And uh, the worst thing about being an actor sometimes is having to work with these effects. So, I mean, later on, when Mary Margaret gets choked out by her, so could you imagine the director being like, Okay, uh, you know, Jennifer Goodwin, uh, and pretend you're being choked. And you're being choked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's tightened, so pretend you're being choked more. Like, it's probably the most awkward thing for an actor to do. But I think, like, in that case, though, I'm pretty sure that there's, I mean, it's such a close-up thing. They just have a rubber tentacle wrapped around her neck. I mean, they have to in the, in that case, I imagine. Yeah, that probably uh, makes sense. But it, it's, like, when it's, like, actually, like, moving and slithering and in, in motion, then I, I'm then yeah you, it, the the budget starts that's where the budget starts to stretch a little bit yeah uh but you know they decide to go whole haul here in this episode we see the tentacles a bunch of times uh but hook's able to break through the vfx tentacles and basically try to successfully broker this deal with ursula they get down to the docks which again we haven't seen in a, in a long time and uh hook tells ursula that what she wants is buried with the jolly roger now let's remember here last time we saw the jolly roger the jolly roger had been traded to blackbeard uh this is before or this is after cora's curse hit or zelina's curse hit i believe in order to get the magic bean so that hook could go back to the real world and tell emma what was happening is that right i'm gonna have to go with you whatever you say on this one i just kind of was like oh yeah 
Blackbeard. He was in a season we watched. Um, I'm just going to nod along with the show and just take it for granted that that's where the that's where it actually was. Well, I figured I figured that Ariel wasn't lying. Yeah. Well, remember we saw him too. He was he was actually in last the beginning of season four. He was in that. He was the one that put Anna and Kristoff in that chest. Yes, you're you're asking an awful lot for me to remember back to the beginning of season four. <laughs> to be honest, though, once once upon a time, Wiki definitely helped me in that regard. Yeah. So at this time, we're recording this right now, uh, like only about like 15 minutes after the episode ended. So I wanted to make yes. sure I got everything down. So I know this is a very detail-oriented show, and I didn't want to get confused in the chronology of it all. But uh, Hook basically needs Ursula to help summon the Jolly Roger back to this world uh, by creating an underwater portal. So again, Kurt, we have a yet another thing to add I, to the list of ways to make portals. No, 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 no. We, we've seen this one before. This is the... Because Hook asks her, do you still... You know, even though you're part monster now, oh, do you mermaid. still have your do you still have your mermaid ability to cause to, to uh, summon portals? So this was, if anything, I was I was happy to see the uh, uh, the re- the return of the sh- the tried and true. I'm a mermaid. Get me out of here with a portal uh, uh, trope. But uh, can, it, but can mermaids? So mermaids can bring anything over. I thought it was you have to be with a mermaid to use the portal. All that we had seen in the past was. Mermaids can create, can basically travel between worlds. Um, it, it's this is I think the first time we. St- I was expecting a quick jaunt over to wherever the Jolly Roger was with you know Ursula taking Hook there. I was surprised that the use of the portal in this case was for it to just basically create the portal at a very specific spot, and that whatever's there would get sucked through. So I think this is still the the mermaid rule, just the use of it we haven't considered. Okay, uh, but uh, you know it's a little bit of a want want type of case <laughs> as the Jolly Roger comes up and it is a small boat within a bottle. We don't know it yet, but it's revealed later that in a surprising twist, uh, Blackbeard was understandably terrorizing the seas with the Jolly Roger, and it as was actually, one does. and it was actually <laughs> Elsa who. Mm-hmm put a spell on the boat and put it in a bottle. Now, in terms of the timeline, did this happen after they returned to Arendelle, or do you think this happened way before Elsa got put in the urn? Oh, oh. no, it, c- it couldn't have, because th- they were because Anna and Kristoff were on the Jolly Roger when they got put in the chest. So it was clearly when Elsa came back. I just answered my own question. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to provide that much uh, high-level thinking about narrative points this late at night. I did, I did like the... Um, the kind of the convention that 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 went down here of um, the, the callback to Elsa that this is what happened that Ariel just happened to be in the waters around the Jolly Roger when it when it when it occurred uh, and that she got sucked up into the bottle as well so that was yeah. kind of a, a, a fun little, although it makes one think well where's Blackbeard like where's the crew if <laughs> if this because yeah. if, if Ariel survived and basically um, came whole again upon the return of the everything in the bottle being brought out into the world, you'd think that there would be crew on the ship. And if, it sounded like that Blackbeard was captured when this occurred. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I wish there were kind of like little action figures on the boat, but the boat was so tiny. Yeah. But the, <laughs> the aerial thing seems to me like in Lost Season 5 when Jin was like in the water after the, the freighter exploded, but he was just close enough on the island to get caught up in that uh, that time travel stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems like a very similar thing, but I agree. I have no idea where Blackbeard and the crew are. Uh, I hope they're not dead. I hope they're not just floating in the water. So may, I like to think they they found they got picked up by a motorboat and then they got taken back to their home and everyone had a big party. Yes, there was there were 
ponies and pastries and um and i have a feeling that they're probably wherever uh wherever philip's soul is so i, I don't know if this is gonna be another unanswered question yeah, for us one <laughs> one big once upon a purgatory here yes. uh so ursula and hook take the bottle to the pawn shop and surprisingly it's not bell that they're seeking though it is will scarlet and will scarlet actually has something to contribute to the plot kurt for the first time in like 10 episodes yeah uh i was wondering if this is where they're going because i was actually one uh last week when we saw will with the chocolate cake uh at the diner and uh you know jessica frey wrote to me on twitter confirming that uh in once upon a time in wonderland uh there is no chocolate cake so the cake is not real the cake is a lie is a lie oh my god that's confirmed because I saw, I associate Will with the, the Nave of Hearts and the, the Wonderland and, uh, you know, drink me, eat me and cakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had thought that, that there was maybe the, the cake from the Granny's Diner was like, you know, if you eat this, you get smaller or what have you. So when they went to Will for help and they said, you know, the bottle's awfully small and there's lots of double entendres about never commenting on the size of a pirate ship. Um that I was like, oh, okay, they are going to kind of bring some of the Wonderland uh, mythos in here in terms of things getting larger or smaller, and and sure enough, they they end up. Uh, he apparently has a a source in uh, obtaining, uh, you know, concentrated Wonderland mushrooms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so I wonder, did did Will just happen to have that in his pocket or something, or did he have some? Was it in that bag that he buried, or did did Bell happen to have it, but Will knew how to use it? I don't know if it's in the bag he buried because I'm betting he lost that again. He <laughs> probably, yeah, he probably he, he he put the location of the where he buried the bag in the bag. So <laughs> again, a, a similar way of like locking your keys in your car. But either way, they're able to get this little yep. uh, thing, which basically looks like eye drops. But they put it on the the boat, and uh, I mean, thank God, uh, Hook was able to. Uh, throw it into the ocean in time, or else he they would have it. He would have been crushed by the Jolly Roger. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, uh, it, it it was also interesting that we didn't get to see the we didn't get to see the uh, it, it kind of grow. It was like basically the camera pans away and it goes back and the ship is there. It's like, OK, they're saving the budget for the tentacles. I see what they're doing. Very true. Uh, but I, I skipped over a bunch of stuff before that oh, because sorry. we have uh, we I know it was my fault. We have our Regina dream sequence here where she's briefly reunited with Robin Hood. And I don't know about you, Chris, but I definitely knew from the outset that this was too good to be true. Um, I will see. I didn't. I thought, well, I knew I figured it was too good to be true. I was wondering, okay, who's posing as Robin Hood. I didn't immediately go to dream sequence until evil queen Regina showed up. I was like, okay, okay. This, In a reference this. to the parent trap. Yes. <laughs> it was uh, evil Regina and good Regina switch places to get their parents to hook up. Oh, that given the family tree in this in this show, that could potentially be dangerous. Uh, absolutely. But uh, so it all turns out to be a dream. I like Maleficent. Maleficent doesn't have a lot to do this episode after her big starring no. role, role the previous episode. But I did love her little line here about, you know, you having trouble sleeping. I have a cure for that. Yeah, that was, uh, it was a, that gave, gave her a little something to do. So let's uh, let's talk about the the real torture scene in this episode, which is Gold returns and says, you know, I actually didn't really go to the trailer. I knew you were a liar, but I actually went to the fairies and the fairies have this potion that allows that undoes any magical spell. Uh, And as a result, it doesn't turn August back into a boy, as I initially thought. It actually turns him into wooden August, which we saw at the end of season one. Yeah, because I guess what the the. 
there was magic was performed that turned him from a wooden boy into a real man uh, or a wooden man back into a real man. And so that's this that kind of undid it, but only temporarily. Yeah, or, or at least I'll say habitually. And I don't know how Gull was able to imbue it so that basically it functions as, or uh, that the, the wooden effects were able to go away, but it still kind of lives within him. But we finally get the first time in Once Upon a Time, I believe, the classic Pinocchio lying nose growing trope. Yeah, I can't remember if there was anything from the uh, um, when we the brief period of time when he was wooden. But I don't believe that there was. No, uh, uh, and, and even when even in the flashbacks in season one when he was like actual like CGI Pinocchio, it was we just saw him in that one storm, so we didn't see anything about him lying. Yeah, and and, and you know what this very clever uh, this this uh, this reminded me a little bit of Saw in some in some regards. Uh, very clever kind of torture approach for 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 gold here basically holding holding august close enough to the fire where he is not getting burned but for every lie he tells uh for every lie that pinocchio tells or that august tells his nose is going to grow and get closer into the fire i thought this was a very uh kind of ingenious uh torture approach yeah it reminds me a little bit of I think it's actually like Shrek 3 where Pinocchio has to state say statements that aren't lies but still not give away what's going on and he uses a bunch of double and triple negatives. Uh, so it's basically the more extreme version of this uh, where August is trying to avoid answers for a while but then faced with the idea of burning his nose off, he says, you know, he uh, he knows that the sorcerer trapped the author behind a door and they basically figure out that uh, you know, Henry currently has the book that has the picture of that door on it. Gold asks him where the door is now, and August says that it's somewhere in Storybrooke. And Gold uh, says, oh, we must go to the Sorcerer's Mansion, which is a key facet to look upon later on in the episode uh, when I think everyone, is, I think everyone had uh, misremembered that August had said it was in the mansion, when he really didn't say anything about it. It was just Gold who assumed it. Yeah. Yeah, this was, it was... That was kind of like a little interesting game of uh, truth or dare is not the right word, but it's like of you know, how much can you dance around the truth? Yeah, so, that was uh, the um, the moment of truth that that hit Fox show with the lie detector. Oh, hosted by Mark, Mark Wahlberg, but not that Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, exactly. The other <laughs> that other Mark Wahlberg, the Temptation Island Mark Wahlberg. Yes, yes. Uh, so there, there is actually an interesting scene here too with Emma Snow and David, and we we talked a little bit th- throughout these past couple of episodes about Emma's uh, potential to become like the most evil being the realm has ever seen, and I feel like we got a glimpse of it in like one line she said where she brings up like you know I I agree with Hook I would have I sh- we should have stabbed Gold in the heart when we had the chance you could see that look between David and Mary Margaret that says like oh maybe what the Queens of Darkness are saying is right. It's, it's a small thing, but I thought that was a nice kind of foreshadowing to what's to come. I had to watch this scene like three times to kind of, and I'm still not exactly sure what was being said. Cause there were a couple times where they referenced um, that, you know, Hook seemed like he was in a dark place earlier in the day. And I was trying to remember back cause I didn't rewind all the way back to the beginning of the episode. Cause we were, you know, kind of recording shortly afterwards. Um, I wasn't, I couldn't remember exactly what they were referring to, and, you know, I thought it was a little bit of like the, the shoe being on the other foot, as it were, with, you know, Emma was, you know, originally uh, uh, 
Emma was was always wondering, you know, in the last episode, if Regina was going to be going to the dark side by hanging out with, you know, these villainists all the time. Now you have basically David wondering the same thing about Hook with Ursula. And I was like, OK, look, and I thought it was almost Emma saying, look, I let it go with Regina. You're not really going to start up with Hook on this now, are you? Um, but, yeah, there was a, that strange exchange about uh, wouldn't you do the same thing if you had been where we're put in the same position put in and. I know, it, it, like you said, it seemed like it was meant to be an important conversation. It's just that I think when I was watching it, context-wise, I couldn't quite figure out what the puzzle piece was actually supposed to be. Well, so they, we'll, were, we'll, they were also but, speaking at the same level as like a Sorkin piece. Like they were going yeah, super quick with was, that dialogue. Yeah, the uh, once upon a time was turning into a walk and talk all of a sudden. It, it was for that <laughs> one scene. It was weird. Uh, so let's let's go aboard the Jolly Roger, shall we? So Ursula and Hook are able to get aboard. We, we see a little bit of the, I guess it's the captain's quarters, uh, and Hook unlocks the safe and and is gives her the shell. Um, and as we talked about before, the the shell kind of gives the overture slash Ariel's aria uh, from the Little Mermaid. And the voice, we, we see the effect of the voice going back to Ursula, but we, it, I bet, I guess it went wrong. So I guess we can only assume from Ursula's world, word that it actually didn't pervade her voice box. Yeah, it seemed like it kind of stopped. And later we we do see what it is supposed to look like when it happens. Um, so so yeah, this it, it it appeared to kind of like stop short. And Kurt, I this might be the first time in like two seasons we see a gun on Once Upon a Time. Um. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Not for not okay. First in a couple seasons. Yeah. Yeah. First in a couple because I remember Emma. The last gun scene I remember was Emma trying to fire firing the gun in the air to get that troll's attention in season two. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, and it seemed and like I'm trying to remember. It was a little bit more. Was it more on the blunderbuss side of things than a modern day pistol? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, this this was much more of like a piratey. Yeah, much more of one of those piratey things that it probably had some gunpowder loaded in it beforehand. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I knew right away what was going to happen. <laughs> Yep, yeah, as as Ursula said, <laughs> well, like basically, what are you doing? Um, I like that little callback to their relationship too, and what she conceives about, uh, what she perceives, I should say, about what he did to her beforehand when he when she calls him like a selfish pirate, and she knocks him out and throws him overboard, presumably to die. But again, uh, thankfully, and and you know the the shippers can rest another day because Ariel was there and she saved Hook just in the nick of time. I was wondering if if it slash when we would see her again. I was glad that she made an, an appearance. Um, it, uh, yeah, it, huh. I, I, here's the, see, here's the thing. So it, I liked how they did the interplay between the flash, but you know, we're covering kind of the flashback, uh, at the front part of this. And then we're covering the modern day. I did like the back and forth between the two because the entire time you're wondering what does Hook do to screw over Ursula? Because they both are referring to it, but they're not saying it out loud just so as we as viewers you know, have something to, to look for. And every time we come back to the flashback, I think, oh, this is where Hook's going to screw over Ursula. And no, he's like, you know what? Your father told me to do it. Was just like Regina is keeping everybody completely apprised of all the plans. And so, you know, she's on the level, you know, Hook levels with Ursula that, uh, you know, your father told me to do this and I'm not going to do it for these reasons. And so it's like, oh, what are you, what did you do? What did you end up doing? And so I, I, I kind of like, again, that there's this constant referral to, uh, you know, somehow the voice was taken, but you're, but we're, we're waiting to see how it ended up happening. Um, but yeah, I, I was glad to see uh, Ursula make it 
or sorry, Ariel, Ariel make an appearance. Um, and, and I, and again, this is where we got the explanation about the, the ship was trapped by Elsa. And I did like, again, for plot continuity's sake that, uh, Ariel slaps hook because remember the last time that they uh-huh. did see each other was when hook kind of screwed her over, yeah, screwed her <laughs> over by, uh, I believe he, he pushed Blackbeard off the plane so that Ariel would, ne- Ariel would never find out where Eric was. So eventually she did when she made her way over to the real world. Uh, but I thought that was a nice okay. little callback. And I, and I remember when we did our season three recap, which seemed like once upon a time, yeah. uh, uh, that we were very complimentary about the actress. And it was again, really nice to yeah. see her, even if it was for that one scene. It would have been nice to get a little Eric in there as well. I, I kind of liked the uh, the pair of them. Well, yeah, uh, he probably had work. Yeah, sure. Because um, he is he was working out with the docks. I think gutting fish. <laughs> yeah, and I so and and Ariel is kind of the uh, the person that that is the key to everything kind of resolving here at the end because she kind of puts the idea into Hook's head of like, you know, if. Uh, you know, Hook says, well, you know, he's bummed out. He says, well, villains definitely can't get their happy endings. And Ariel says, well, maybe villains just have to go about it a, a different way. And I think that gives yeah. Hook the idea to send Ariel to eventually go through the portal and get Poseidon. But before that, we have a little bit of an ambush here as uh, Emma and Mary Margaret and David storm the cabin and in a, a definite tieback to Tangled, uh, uh, Mary Market knocks out Corella with a frying pan. Kids, don't try this at home. Hey, this is something that will kill somebody. Yep. Well, <laughs> which do you think is worse? Hitting someone in the head with a frying pan or breaking someone over the head with a bottle like they did with Kristoff? Um, I'm going to say frying pan. If you're using the same amount of force, uh, frying pan. At least the bottle has a chance of breaking and not lacerating the person's skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say like, there's, there's just no way that you're going to, uh, with the, with a good amount of force survive a, a, a frying pan to that. Yeah. yeah um, uh, Mary Margaret almost knocked the eyebrows off of Corella's face. I could have used like 15 minutes of like cut scenes of Corella flirting with August. That yeah. this is that, that, that I was like, this is good. Oh, it was like, Emma, you burst in too soon. Yeah, Corella uh, yeah, and Maleficent not used as much this episode. Criminally underused, I would say. But again, uh, this is all about Ursula this episode, so I guess we could deal. But uh, Emma, Emma's able to undo August's August's bindings, and we got a nice reunion between the two, which was fun. Yeah, we we don't. Well, yeah, and, and just going back to the other point, like we haven't seen a lot of the villainous's interactions with the Storybook population at large, uh, which is kind of with with, with the heroes. Um, we did see a bit of an exchange between uh, Ursula, Cruella, David, and Mary Margaret when they first got into town, you know. Um, but in terms of just kind of the the data in interacting with Emma and like to, until this episode, we got to see Ursula and Hook. It was more about their their prior engagements. I, I just would love to see more interactions between Cruella and. Uh, Cruella and Emma and see how they get along. Like, I like the interaction between Cruella and, and August, however brief it was like, so it, it would be cool to see more of that. But yeah, the, uh, we, we get the, uh, we finally get the, some brief interaction here between, uh, oh, another gun. Cruella has a gun. No, oh, yeah. Oh, she does have oh, it's two guns in this episode. That's a record right. for once upon a time. 
Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, the, it was interesting. To, I was happy to see them bond again because uh, I think I definitely was wrong in the fact that they slept together. And I think you were right before when it was much more of a brother sister relationship that was uh, between them before August got turned back into a boy. But that was really the last time that the two of them interacted was when August showed up briefly to try to warn her about uh, Tamara, but then he got turned back into a boy. Yeah. Or he got or he got killed and then turned into a boy. Yeah, and it's. Because I was afraid that when we saw August turned into puppet, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have that actor on for another couple episodes. Um, but then we saw that it was temporary. So I'm, I'm glad that, that he's he's back for at least a bit. Yeah. Uh, but before the, the rescue team can complete their mission, Ursula shows up. But before she can do anything and choke Mary Margaret out, Hook shows up. And it turns out that Hook has someone else in tow, and it is the return of Poseidon, and he is uh, he's looking good in Storybrooke. He's adorned with gold. Yeah, this... It would have... Well, I guess I don't know it could have all been wrapped up then. I was like, this was maybe a bit much for me. Like, this, this, this kind of pushed it into on a very special Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. I, like, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it was nice that they wrapped everything up, but yeah, it was a little, this for me was a bit quick. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll use the term cheesy. I'll, I'll admit that I, I think this, I think this scene was pretty darn cheesy. It, it definitely reminded me of the end of like these, of like these Disney channel sitcoms or like the old TGIF sitcoms where, you know, the, the kid of the family just kind of had a temper tantrum and stormed upstairs. And then the, the dad walks in and sits them down. They're like, listen, just because I'm dating someone else now that your mother's dead doesn't mean I love, I don't love you. And I, I don't love your mother. You know, this is just, sometimes you have to move on. This is what your mother would have wanted. It's like comparable to that, but in a, in a different way where, you know, Poseidon's like, I care about you, you know, and I, I made a mistake before and I'm sorry, but you know, I think I, I, I was angry too. And I'm, I'm not anymore. And I, and I, I, and I want to go home with you because I don't want to deprive both of us of the only thing that we have left of mom. And and while it may seem like it was too much, uh, uh, whatever the opposite of exposition, it was too much of everything just like wrapping up nicely. We have to keep in mind it was all resolution. done. So that resolution. Well, thank you. That's probably the, the best word for it. Cause that's what it is. It was, if it seemed like it was too much resolution, uh, keep in mind it was all done. So Corella could escape. Yeah. That's very, <laughs> that seemed like the worst tag to a scene of them. Everyone literally looking around being like, Oh yeah, I guess Corella's gone. Yeah. Like, like, cause I can, she was probably a little bit drunk. I mean, just cause she always is. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I can't see her subtly entering or exiting any room. No, but I, <laughs> like I she, mean, would, she would have stood up, stumbled back and forth a little bit, braced herself against the door frame, looked back and then gone out. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I would have done the same thing if I was Corella of like, Oh, they're all concentrated in this really sappy speech. Let me just crawl my way out and sneak out and tell everyone what happened. Yeah. And the whole time that Ursula and hook were down at the docks and talking about the Jolly Roger and on board. And like, I had in my notes, like, aren't the others wondering where Ursula went? <laughs> That's true though. I mean, I, maybe they inherently trust them when people go off and, and wander about for a little bit that they're, they're, tr they're doing things that are truly evil and trust that they'll come back with at least like a, a head or something. 
Yeah, they've 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 got that go getter attitude and are self motivated to perform. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as everyone kind of takes off to both return August and kind of get out of here before the rest of the Queens of Darkness come back, Hook kind of uh, keeps Emma behind and says, you know, he he reminds Emma slash kind of the audience that the first time we saw him he was a villain, you know, he yeah. was, he was working with Cora. And so he still considers himself a villain. And again, this is going back to my, uh, my beloved theme here of shades of gray, but he still thinks that he's categorized as a villain. And as a result, he's not going to get his happy ending. And I mean, Emma, <laughs> where, how have you become so daft in the past oh. few episodes? Because how could you not realize throughout yes. all this time that his happy ending was you? I could not. Okay. I, I really enjoyed this episode. I mean, yeah, like you said, exactly. it was a lot, but Emma, like, not like, huh? Like what? Me? No, who? What? Like, oh, come on. Do you think, do you think she was just being coy? <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what kind of fish she was being. It might've been coy. It might've been some other kind of goldfish, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think she was being coy. No. All right. It was, I, I think, I think it was just a, uh, questionable uh, dialogue decision by the writers. Well, let's see. Well, Emma's romantic history. I mean, she had Neil and then she had the guy that turned into a flying monkey and now Hook. So she she hasn't had the best track record so far. I forgot about the flying monkey. <laughs> how, how could you? I forget his I, I forget his name, but I remember he turned into a flying monkey and he had a weird name. Um, but anyway, uh, Corella's able to track down the Queens of Darkness. Uh, the two of them in gold have left the Sorcerer's Mansion and came up empty handed. But Corella kind of tells them that they were found out as, you know, the, the, the heroes have now known about the cabin. But uh, I would say if, if Maleficent or was there, I think she would have suspected Regina. But I think Corella is just daft enough that she suspected Ursula. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like that. Like when she when she says, uh, uh, by the way, uh, August escaped because the heroes rescued him. And then there was very much a uh, gold having a I gave you one job. Yep. You had one job moment. Exactly. And especially since <laughs> Maleficent is the one to convince Regina to come with them. She's like, oh, no, Corella can take care of him. No, apparently not. Yeah. Corella's getting stuck on like the, the equivalent of janitorial duty in the Queens of Darkness now. Because technically, like. <sighs> I guess I'm thinking from Cruella's standpoint. Yeah, she gets knocked out uh, when Emma is in there. Mm -hmm. And then she wakes up to see Ursula and who she may or may not have been quick enough to realize that was Ursula's dad. And like basically, if she heard like the heartfelt violin strings in the background, she realized that this was some sort of touching moment and that Ursula is probably not, no longer an asset to them. So I guess, yeah, she it wasn't so much that Ursula sold them out, but I wonder if she thinks that Ursula knocked her out because yeah, from her perspective, it could have been. Do you think Corella's radio was tuned into the Once Upon a Time original soundtrack and therefore she heard the strings and thought it was a touching moment? It could be, could be, it could be, uh, in between the, in between painted black and white flag, uh, yes. on the top 20 countdown. So, uh, meanwhile, down at the docks, hook bids farewell to Ursula. She is going back to the world with her father now that they have made up, but Ursula is luckily able to stick to her side of the deal. And she tells gold that, uh, gold, she tells hook that gold's plan does not actually kind of involves the author, but he's not the crux of it. The crux of it is actually Emma. We actually get this plan fleshed out a little bit that uh 
technically the author didn't create these happy endings in this world. That was Emma as the savior, since she was the one that made everyone's memories uh, come to light. So therefore, if they not necessarily take out Emma, but get her on their side, she's out of the picture so that they can go to the author directly to change their happy endings. Is, is that the logic on it? Something like that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, basically as long as it's a savior, the author can't give the villains what they want. And and gold plants that fill her dark her heart with darkness, and that will somehow potentially un either that will make her no longer a savior, which means there's no longer a person who is on the bestseller list above the author. <laughs> so if if they're gonna fill her heart with darkness, are they gonna take her to the middle of Africa in the middle of the war? Uh, never saw it, but uh, uh, it's a good it's, they, it's, <laughs> I, it's a good book. It's a really okay. interesting book. Weird book to read in high school. <laughs> um, so for our last scene here, the scene takes place in the apartment, which I think is the first time we've seen the apartment in a couple of episodes. Uh, but Regina visits. She's been kind of uh, asked by the Queens of Darkness to grab the, the door page from Henry to bring to them so they can find the door. Um, but first, Regina needs some dream chat here with Emma. And uh, it's it's an interesting take on the dream for Regina. She doesn't feel that her old self was attacking Robin as much as she just has this this intuition that old Regina was protecting Robin. Now, yeah. should we have an analysis of this dream analysis, Kurt? Um, you know, she just felt lots of times the dream. Sometimes it's just what you feel in her gut. So if that's what she was, if that's what she felt, uh, I'm not one to question it. I'll say I'll 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 go with that interpretation and. Uh, uh, I won't, I won't play amateur psychologist on this one. All right. Do you, do you think it was a little bit uh, contrived? It's, it's a little contrived that she, her automatic base thought was, oh, no, my old self is protecting him. You know, considering that her old self, uh, I mean, her old self is even her new old self because her old old self is that girl that we saw in the stables last episode you know and i i don't think evil queen regina was evil queen regina was past the phase when she was still looking for that soulmate with the the snake tattoo on his arm or whatever it was uh it is a little it's a little contrived to me i think but you know with dreams there are those feelings like you tell somebody a dream which is always exciting uh and you'll be like you know i was at the mall of america but like it, it looked like the mall of america but it was it was my school and I, I didn't look like my school, but I just knew it was my school. And it, you, you know, it just felt like that. Um, so I, th- I think that, uh, that that dreams have a weird way of having an underlying feeling that communicates things just as much. Like we as the viewers only got to see what was seen in the dream. We didn't necessarily get to feel what was felt. And if she felt in the dream that you know, there wasn't any animosity there as much as there was there, there was a like protective vibe. If that's what the dream's telling you, that's what the dream's telling you. Yeah, I guess so. I, I again, I, I won't play psychologist psychologist in this episode. Maybe there's an episode where Regina goes to the psychologist, and we'll yeah. we'll dive more into that. One she, does, she she does say where is uh I don't want to you know I'm not Doctor Hopper or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um. So in, in this scene as well, uh, we we actually move on here where I think Regina's dream is kind of giving her the gumption to get in contact with Robin Hood. So now we have this the little thread of Emma trying to use her resources to get a, a, a number for Robin Hood to talk to him, which I'm surprised that she hasn't at this point, but maybe uh, Regina was just trying to kind of do the out of sight, out of mind type of thing and avoid the heartbreak of it all. Yeah. I remember last week you were saying how you kind of liked the fact that they were uh, calling back at times to 
to Emma's role as a bail bondswoman or bounty huntress. Uh, did you did you kind of and I so when that happened, did you kind of like the fact that she's that she's again kind of once more being asked to tap into her resources on that front? Yeah, it, it almost for me balanced out her in the previous scene, not believing that she was Hope's <laughs> happy ending. Almost. <laughs> yeah, it's although it's kind of like. It's basically Regina's asking, you know, Emma to track down, you know, to find Robin Hood on Facebook, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Like, oh, just do a little bit of social media stalking and see what he's up to. Can you connect us on LinkedIn? Oh, <laughs> uh, Robin Hood would use LinkedIn. He's that yes, professional. Yeah. Uh, so in the corner, we hear a voice and it's Henry for the, the first and only time mm-hmm. this episode. He was just hanging out with, I, I guess, August passed out from all the torture. Um, and once he stirred, he has some news to drop here. Uh, first of all, he's freaked out that Regina's there, but Emma assures him that, you know, Operation Mongoose is a go. And uh, Regina, you know, says, OK, you, August, just I just want to let you know that we're working together, but I have to kind of give up the guys here that I, I'm taking this page from you. But August says, well, you know, it's no wonder you didn't find the mansion, the, the door at the mansion because the, the door isn't there. But I didn't lie because I thought it was there initially or I, I didn't even say it in the beginning. But the door is actually the page in the book. Yeah, that's picture pages. Um, not sure what. I mean, so we we learned that the the author is trapped inside the book, basically. Mm-hmm. basically. Um, yeah, it's a little bit like. Uh, did you ever see John Candy's movie Delirious? No, I did not. He gets he gets trapped inside the soap opera town that he is a writer for, um, and he can alter reality from within the story. Kind of a fun little comedy, but uh, it's a little bit like that where yeah, the author is trapped in the book. Uh, but I'm wondering if this is like the sorcerer being trapped or the sorcerer's apprentice being trapped in the hat, uh, where like is it really kind of a prison or is there actually a world in there that we'll get to see? But yeah, he's in the page of the book magically and. Now, uh, how long do you think it's going to take before they realize it's just do blue skidoo weekend two so they can jump within a picture? <sighs> Missing the reference. Blue's Clues. Yeah, never really saw it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got to check it out. Put it on your Netflix after how Stella got a groove back. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm definitely showing my age there with that one. Um, yeah, it's I'm 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 it's a it's a concrete step forward in uh the author plot and tracking down the author i mean the question is you know to what extent do does regina as the main magic user in the group uh to what extent does she have an idea of how they would open said door or get into said door um that that's going to be uh interesting uh and like I'm not I'm not going to get into the previews for next week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we necessarily get there next week. It seems like they're focusing on something very specific next week. But uh, yeah, um, that's the thing. It'll be interesting. I think the fact that we are learning this, like you know, seven episodes away from the end, that we'll probably see them. The door. We'll probably see that door open and get a glimpse behind that door within the next three episodes. Mm-hmm. So, if you all listening right now have any ideas as to how our heroes can get to the door, or if if you know about any other Wonderland magic that might exist in the pawn shop, or if you know exactly what the hierarchy of a lower half uh, fish 
parts may be in the in the underwater kingdom you have a bunch of ways to contact us you can always of course leave comments on the show page here on poster recaps uh you can always uh subscribe to the once upon a time only feeds on itunes if you have not as of yet to do that go to postshowrecaps.com slash once itunes and of course as you're there make sure uh you always rate and review us so so we gain slowly ahead and ahead of the ranks we we become a, a better bestseller of podcasts than the author or emma um, and you also can reach out to us on social media. Kurt, how can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I am at Kurt Clark. And I am at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. But while you're here bobbing about on poster recaps, be sure to check out all the other coverage that's been going on here. Uh, Justified, Walking Dead is finishing up. Uh, we have coverage of Seinfeld, SNL, uh, Better Call Saul is finishing up as well. And Kurt, actually, uh, at, at this time, a podcast just got released. I got it together with Antonio Mazzaro yesterday, and we talked about the first two episodes and also the previous five seasons in a way of community. Oh, good. I was wondering when that was going to premiere. I haven't kept track of the date. Yeah, it's on it's on Yahoo screen. So while you're while you're waiting for your emails to come in from Mr. Gold on your Windows 95, you can you can go on to Yahoo and watch some community. Yeah, I'll have to check to see if there's an app for that for my uh, game console. So where I do most of my viewing. Now, Kurt, do you have a hashtag for everyone who uh, finished listening to this podcast? Um, it's a little contrived, but uh, Hooks Gun Show. All right, Hooks Gun Show. And obviously no apostrophe, right? Correct. All right. So uh, hashtag Hooks Gun Show if you made it this far. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week as we we delve further into the mysteries that this show has opened up with one less nautical creature, but uh, a lot of fun to be had. So thanks, guys, for listening. And remember, if you're looking for a day to do to bully today, Poseidon is probably the easiest choice. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.